You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a fresh week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast and lots to talk about today. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky. I guess we start with this, Ty. The worst kept secret in central New York is officially out. Jimmy Beheim is joining his brother. He's joining his dad on Syracuse's team next year. This has been in the works for a while, but nice to see it's officially official. It was, yeah. Like we mentioned, we've kind of been teasing it all off season long, and it is... Good to see the the roster starting to take a little more form here. I mean, he's now the third transfer that's come in, and who knows, there might be one more. I'd imagine there. It, it depends a lot on whether or not Quincy comes back and Frank comes back, but the roster is, let's put it this way, I don't see many splashes happening the rest of the way roster-wise. I think the guys that are going to contribute, you've either seen them play for Syracuse before or you've seen them join the Orange now. I'm, I'm not expecting any more big moves for the remainder of the offseason. Yeah, and we tweeted out something. So if you missed that, on our Twitter page, at LO underscore Syracuse, we tweeted out basically the roster breakdown as it stands right now. Got some good replies on that. We'll talk a lot about that as the week goes along. Today, I think we should just sort of discuss Jimmy Beheim. There will be some other stuff we'll get to on the back half of this show. Kind of some weekend observations, a couple guys at pick schools that transferred out of Syracuse. I think we have to talk about football a little bit and the lack of what we're seeing in football, but we'll dive into all of that in a little bit on the show. As for Jimmy Beheim, looks like he's going to wear number two, which I guess he just picked number two because he thought that was a cool number. He wore number three at Cornell, and he said something in his little Zoom thing he did, and the Cornell head coach was also on the Zoom about how he would never wear number three because he has too much respect for GMAC and how he's a legend, but it's going to be pretty fun just from a content standpoint to watch all three of them be on the same team. And I would like to think that Jimmy will be a pretty big part of next year's team. He talked about in this zoom call, how he thinks he can be kind of a, a Marek type player where he can do a lot of the little things and you can play him in the high post area. He can hit some shots for you. He can make some passes, rebound, and look, Marek did so many things for this team. He's a tough guy to replace. But if he's any bit close to Marek, I'll be thrilled. No doubt. I mean, I was a little surprised when I saw his metrics. I always thought he was like 6'6", 6'7". But what did it come out as? 6'9", 235 for Jimmy Beheim. I mean, that's... Some... Yeah, I think uh, Jim Jim Beheim told DeBundo, our guy Anthony DeBundo, which we will get into his article later on in the week and have he's coming on, this on week. I'm sure, because... Yeah, there's a lot to talk about today, Verbal which is fun. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of a lot of stuff over the weekend that we missed as we were uh, talking with Cole Swider on the final two episodes of last week. But yeah, he told DeBundo six nine, he's up to, and he's two thirty five. That's shocking. I mean, that's that's a lot of size that he's added. He came to Cornell at six eight, maybe two ten, two fifteen. Yeah, inch and, and 20 pounds. I mean, that's a, a world of a difference. And you need that when you're going from the Ivy League to the ACC. You need to have, so like, we can talk of all we want. And we've actually seen some Ivy League transfers have some success in recent years. I know a lot of people had high expectations for Bryce Aiken 
this season when he went to Seton Hall. That didn't pan out, but a lot of that had to do with injury. But I look at guys like Mike Smith at Michigan. He had a pretty seamless transition there and was a big reason why they were one of the best teams and got a one seed in this year's NCAA tournament. I think in the past, guys like Makai Mace, I mean, there are a lot of Ivy League success stories. That's one of the leagues I feel like that you can have success out of. I know there's been a lot made of people making the leap from mid-major to high-major, and you struggle, but I feel like we have seen success out of the Ivy League. Now, as far as Jimmy Beheim goes, I think this this could turn out all right. I'm not saying he's going to be out there and be a world beater. For all we know, he might not even be a starter, and we can get into that, but this is a guy who's played in four games against ACC competition. He's played against Cuse three times and Wake Forest one time. In those four games, averaging 14 points per game, a shade under four rebounds, six of 18 from three. But my favorite number of that group is the fact that he has turned the ball over one time. When you go against these much better schools, much more physical, much more, they've got like a better college basketball frame size-wise and all that stuff, you usually see people struggle with turnovers. And that wasn't the case with Jimmy Beheim, especially for a guy who was locked in on as usually one of the better scorers on the opposition. That, to me, speaks volumes of, okay, can he be ready at the ACC level? Probably not going to be a world beater, but he can be a contributor. Yeah, I mean, he was the best player on the Cornell team two years ago. Now, he didn't play last year, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because he clearly put on some weight in the downtime since then, and he was definitely working on his game. I think we can guarantee that, and he was probably working on his game with some of the Syracuse players even, you would have to imagine. Well, I was going to bring this up. I mean, we've seen him training with Devo. What what have you and I contributed or attributed a lot of Buddy Beheim's success to? Working with Devo in the offseason, it's – the, the time that people didn't see was hit was Buddy Beheim spending time in the Beheim family gym with Eric Devendorf. Now, I'm not saying Jimmy Beheim's going to go out there and put up Buddy-like numbers like we saw in the final six, eight games of the season, but, I mean, Devo unlocked something with Buddy. I don't know if it was confidence. I don't know if it was really upping the, the skill level. Like, I'm sure it's a, a combination of the two. But there was something there. Devo really got the best out of Buddy, and we saw that play out on the floor as the season came to a close. And now you got to hope Devo can work his magic on another guy from the Bayheim family because he has put in a lot of work. And you can check out the Instagram videos, Twitter videos, all that stuff. But you got to hope that Devo may, may have created another gem for this Syracuse team. No doubt. I think he's a tremendous worker. So that yeah. makes me more optimistic than... Maybe if we didn't know that, and we know that about Cole Swider as well, that's been out there as well. And that so that's always helps good to hear. When you're going from mid major to high major, if you are yeah. going to be one of the harder working guys, you're going to find playing time for yourself. You may not be a star, but you'll find your way onto the floor. So his final numbers: the last time he played college basketball, so 2019-20 season for Cornell, 21 games, 17 points, right around there. Right around six rebounds a game, two turnovers, actually exactly 1.9 assists and exactly 1.9 turnovers in right around 31 minutes for Cornell. He was touching the ball a lot. He was scoring inside and outside. His three-point numbers went a little bit down in his last year for Cornell, 29.5% from three. He was 35% his sophomore year for, for Cornell from three. So I think 
We know he can shoot it, and I'm sure he's been working on that a lot. And just the fact that he had some pretty solid schools, he mentioned, reach out to him as well. Oregon State, Georgia Tech, Arkansas, I think BC and Notre Dame, he said, called his dad and just inquired. And honestly, he brought this up in his little Zoom thing, but it probably would have been more schools if not for the fact that they knew he was pretty much a shoe into Syracuse and why even bother because it was the same he kind of knew that that was happening. That happened with Buddy Beheim too, during his initial recruitment. A lot of schools were swayed off because... They thought it was a foregone conclusion. And I think you bring up a good point, too, when you talk about the three-point shooting and how that's probably something that, even though the numbers dipped a little bit in his final season at Cornell, it's one of those things he probably worked on. Because when he's got all that time off, the one thing that he's thinking to himself is, okay, am I A, going to go back to Cornell, and B, if I don't go back to Cornell, I'm going to want to play at a high major school because A, I think I can, and B, I see my brother going out and playing at a high major school right now, and I want to kind of match him there, and he is physically going to match him by playing at the same school, but what's one thing that I need to improve on? It's the three-point shooting as well as my size. Well, we saw size-wise, and again, you can't control your height, but you can control your weight, and he bulked up, and then on top of that, I'd imagine that the three-point shooting is something that he has spent a lot of time on, getting those numbers up, getting a more consistent shot in, and we saw what Devo has done with Buddy. And I know Buddy has always been labeled a shooter. Jimmy, he's a good shooter, but I don't think that's necessarily the bread and butter of his game when he was at Cornell. But now you're looking at a guy who maybe has unlocked an extra dimension of what he can do on the floor. Okay, quick break to remind you guys about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action right now. It is my favorite sports book out there. NBA, NHL in full swing right now. Got NFL draft coming up. That's always a fun thing to throw some prop bets on. You can go over to betonline.ag. Just type that in your web browser on a mobile device or a laptop. It'll pop right up. And once you go over there and sign up for your free account today, don't forget about our promo code that is locked on, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, which gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If you're looking to drop some NFL draft prop bets, I'm sure they've got them at betonline.ag. You go over there, you put in that promo code, that can get you some real savings with that 50% welcome bonus. Again, that promo code is locked on, it's all one word over at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So getting in more to this whole, will he be successful for Syracuse next year? What will be his role? How much can we expect? I'll say this on kind of a case for him as to why he will be successful next year in my eyes. There's one guy that would know more than anyone else whether he'll be successful next year, and it's Jim Beheim, his dad. He's watched him more than anyone. He's seen him in this down year more than anyone. He's seen how much work he's put into his game, how much he's grown, what height and weight he's at. He knows everything he needs to know because that's his son. 
So if Jim Beheim thinks, yeah, he can contribute, which by the way, he's not going to bring him on the roster. I was going to say if there's that. a chance. Yeah like, yeah, like he has to be confident that he will be a factor. And let's face it, he probably wasn't at that point when he came out of high school and he told him, I believe he joked about in this in the Zoom that but Cornell called him and they offered and Jim Behan the dab was like, call them back right now and say yes, because that's just the type of player he was coming out of high school. He didn't have Syracuse aspirations at the time. He's developed a lot as a player. The dad, Jim Beheim, knows that. And the fact that he's confident in him makes me confident in Jimmy Beheim because I trust that he would only bring him in if he knew he could contribute. I 1,000% agree with you. This is not some PR move, some let's get a little extra pub if we're in the NCAA tournament from CBS. We don't want the, the whole college game day experience. We He doesn't care about that, okay? This isn't some stunt here. He brought him in because he thinks he can contribute. Listen, Jim Beheim. he knows that, and I know he may not admit, but he knows that he doesn't have that many years left to coach, right? Like, like he knows that. He'll never admit it, but he knows the time is winding down. He's obviously not just in the back nine of his career, but he's at the end of his career, no doubt. And I look at this as he wants to go out and win, and he wants to get... He, he wants another national championship because you can say all you want about the Final Fours. I think he'd like another national championship, and he knows that for someone who's coached as long as he has, that one is good. Obviously, it's very tough to, to win one, but he's got the pedigree of someone who's got more than one, doesn't he? Like, he should have more than one national yeah. championship. And I think that's something he's trying to chase now as his career starts to come to a close. And he's not going to bring in Jimmy Beheim just to get a little extra TV time. He's had as much TV time as he could want over the course of his career. Now he's trying to get that next winning piece, that next trophy on the mantle. And that's why he's bringing in some of these guys, whether it's Jimmy Beheim, whether it's Cole Swider, Samir Torrance. He's not just bringing in guys for pub. He's bringing in guys because there's a familiarity to them. And then on top of that, he thinks he's bringing in winning players. And I think that this could be one of those moves. Listen, and I've said it a number of times already on this show. He's not going to be an all-ACC guy in all likelihood. But you need some of these role players to make teams function. If you can have a really high-quality backup coming off the bench, I mean, you're going to have a guy coming off the bench who's averaged 17 points per game in a season. That's pretty good. (laughs) And honestly, Samir Torrance, I think we're both pretty excited about overall. Cole Swider, I think we're very excited about after talking to him. I mean, you're ready to buy the jersey. Yeah, (laughs) right. And Benny, we're really excited about as well, but they didn't have the numbers that Jimmy Beheim did. There's something to be said, and it is Ivy League, but still, there's something to be said about carrying a team, scoring 17 points per game. While being the focal point of the scouting report as well. I know he played with Matt Morgan, too, who was another quality piece, but there's something to be said about being the star of a team, getting all the attention, and still going out and putting up numbers. And that's what Jimmy Beheim did. Yeah. And you know what? This is maybe silly, but I think there's something to be said that he nailed his first three in the Carrier Dome when that yeah. was the huge storyline all week long. And it was the first time that it was the Beheim Bowl. I don't even remember if Buddy was on the team yet. I guess he wouldn't have been. No. And he was not. it was literally, yeah, it was it was just Jimmy versus Jim at that point. And 
The spotlight's on him. There's a lot of people in the crowd. It's his first time playing on the biggest stage of his life, and he hits that three. Like, that said a lot to me about, okay, he's he's a big-time player. Like, he's ready for this moment. Now, it's one shot. I'm not going to overrate it too much, but I think it adds to no, it I, by appeal. I and, think you're right. Yeah. I, I mean, this kid has delivered when the lights are bright. Like, he's played against Big Ten, Big East, ACC competition, and he's largely played pretty well, like – I mean, it says a lot. I mean, if you think about visiting players at the Carrier Dome, no one's probably got a bigger ovation than Jimmy Beheim, And that can be a lot of pressure at times. Like, it's not going to loosen you up usually. Like, I'm, I'm sure he, right. he wouldn't have minded a couple boos here or there. But I, I'm, I look at it. So I mentioned the, the stats against the ACC, 14 points per game. Also had 17 points against Penn State. A 12-point outing against DePaul as well. He's played well against good competition, especially as he's gotten deeper and deeper into his career. So that can't always be said. Sometimes you see some of these guys go up against the high major teams and they fold. But, I mean, you can say, oh, well, he's familiar with Syracuse. A, I think that's a good thing. But on top of that, B, I know he's played Syracuse three times. Two of those teams were pretty good defensively. And for him to still go out and put up some solid numbers against a good defensive Syracuse team, that that says something. Because I mean, he played against he played against one bad defensive Syracuse team, but two really good defensive Syracuse teams, and and he passed a lot of those tests. So let's assume for a second Quincy comes back. Let's say game one, who's the other starting forward? Because. To me, I think Benny Williams is starting once the season gets definitely like towards ACC play. Once you're rolling, yeah. Yeah, and if we can even take out, like if Quincy doesn't come back, I think the best lineup for them is Benny definitely starting, and then it's kind of more of a Cole versus Jimmy debate. debate. But where do you stand on where he ranks in the forward mix? So I think he's probably fourth out of four and under the assumption that Quincy comes back. I don't think that's really up for much debate. I just think the skill set and the speed of the game is probably going to come a little more naturally and a little better for Cole Swider than it is for, for Jimmy Bayheim. But at the end of the day, it is going to be an open competition and there is depth at that forward position. If Quincy, I mean, even if Quincy doesn't come back, but if he comes back, there's a lot of depth there and you, might wonder, okay, is Jimmy going to be the odd man out potentially? Because that could happen, but the same could be said about Cole Swider. But it seems like Cole Swider, just from how we talk to him, it doesn't seem like he cares a whole heck of a lot where his role is. I think he's made it, the way that he phrased it to us is he's pretty confident he's going to be a starter on this team. He talked about a, a two-man game with with Buddy Beheim. I mean, that that is oozing the confidence of a starter right there. We'll see how it plays out, but I'd imagine that Cole Swider probably starts to begin the season. Now, what happens yeah. in December and, and January once things get rolling in the ACC, that could obviously change based on the performance out there. But as of now, Cole talked pretty confidently like he was the starter. I, that's the vibe I got. I don't know about you. I, didn't, I mean, I think they're all confident they're going to start. Like, Samir Torrance would say the same thing, and a lot of people out there do think he should start. I'm not saying that he has no shot of starting or anything, but every one of those guys is confident, and that's that's kind of what got them there to an extent. But you're right. I mean, he did give a vibe that 
he was coming in and I mean, ready you, with you the produced chip on Devo's his podcast, and, and you guys had Samir Torrance on. Yeah. Full transparency. I, I have not gone back and listened yet, but like, did you hear Samir Torrance say like two man game? Me and Buddy Beheim. No, but yeah, I mean, you're right because Samir on that podcast was more sounded like a kid that was very, very happy that this is where he's going and he's closer to home. And Syracuse made a lot of sense for him, and he respects Joe Girard and Buddy a lot because they played together at Albany or the City Rocks team. So that means that he probably understands that. He's not going to start day one, but I don't really know. I mean, he didn't say one way or the other. I do think I'm kind of torn on this because I do think there's a chance that Jimmy and Cole, let's assume Quincy leaves for a second. And again, this is kind of tough, but just assuming, I think there's a chance that you go Jimmy Cole to start the season just because as much as Benny is that good and he's that dude, it's pretty rare that Beheim starts a freshman now, the only problem is that's a that's a tough defensive lineup that they're putting out there if you're starting Jimmy and yeah. Cole at the same time. And really, it's whenever they're on size. the court together, like, you got 6'9", 6'9", and, and seven, 7'0", or 6'10", depending who's at center. Like, that's a lot of size yeah. on that back line, but you're right. Like, what's the quickness level of those back three and, and all that stuff and getting out to the corner? I will say this, the defense in defense of Jimmy Beheim. He knows the zone, you'd imagine, right? Like, this yep. is, he probably had posters on the wall of, of the zone. I mean, the diagrams, he probably was drawing them in, in class at, uh, where'd he go, FM or, or oh, JD, J, uh, Jamesville DeWitt. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that, that's the stuff. He He's well acclimated to the zone. So so did Buddy, but he still has struggled. I mean, it's that's not. That's true. I agree. That's fair. But, but sometimes and, the hardest know, part is learning you. the scheme. If you know what you're doing to a certain degree – that's going to give you a leg up, in my opinion, um, yeah. over a guy like Swider or even Benny. But at the same time, we both know that like Swider and Benny, talent-wise, are better. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like a drastic difference between Swider and Jimmy. That's why I could see Jimmy start. I also, if he's really 6'9", 235, I would say Jim Beheim, the coach understands that he has some potential at least to play some spot minutes at the anchor position, whether it's foul trouble to Barama and Jesse, whether it's an injury, which we know unfortunately could be the case with Barama. I mean, it's it could be the case with anyone, but yeah, I, I think, and Jim had some positive things to say about Barama's health this week on Brent Axe's show or last week, but I do think 6'9", 235, if that's true, we talked to Cole Swider about that. They said, they haven't necessarily, or he said they haven't necessarily brought up the anchor position to him, but there's a chance that they view those two guys as having potential to slide back like Marek did, and then maybe that contributes to their decision on whether they think they need to add another guy in the transfer portal, depending on if Frank leaves or not. Right. I mean, it, there's so much what if right now. Frank's a big what if. Quincy's return, big what if. And those, that's what Syracuse is battling with right now. And in the case of Frank, I think the longer it strings out, the the better chance it is that he ends up staying. Like, we've seen the, the number of names going into the portal slow down. It's Now you're seeing the, the commitment stages. And if you haven't transferred at this point, like, sure, there's always going to be a suitor out there for you. But is it always going to be the right fit? Or are you better off? 
running it back one more year, competing for a starting spot, which I think there is going to be a competition for that starting center spot. And while Frank, as of now, might sit third on the radar in terms of the the three centers on the team, that can change because yeah. I, I think he's got the most talent. I mean, he was the highest rated of all of them coming out of high school. And let's not forget, this should be his, his true freshman season coming up. And maybe it was good that he sat out a year to develop. I mean, look across the country. How many guys sit out a year or two and really use that time to learn and develop? And then when they do get to, to finally take the floor, they're that much better and, and that much further along and the game is slowed down a little bit for them. And that could be the case. Hey, quick break to tell you about the best tasting protein bar ever. It is Built Bar and they just keep on rolling them out. There's new flavors seemingly every month with Built Bar. Now they've got six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. You can't go wrong with 12 of their original flavors as well. They're covered in 100% chocolate and they are soft and easy to chew. Plus, Built Bar is perfect for the health conscious guy and it's also excellent if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while also indulging in a great treat. They're low calorie, high fiber, and they're great even if you're on a keto diet as well. And right now, Built Bar is offering you this great deal. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your next order. All right, so getting into some of these fun reactions over the weekend, some of the things that we missed while we had Cole Swider on. First off, the transfer news that came out, two of the forwards. We'll start with Woody Newton. He is going to Oklahoma State. Were you surprised when you saw Oklahoma State pop up so, for Woody? Here's what I would say. Uh, let's, let's add the other transfer news. Uh, Robert Braswell yeah. going to Charlotte. If you told me that those two guys were going to go to – Charlotte and Oklahoma State, I would have said, okay, Braswell is at Oklahoma State and Woody is at Charlotte. I was really surprised with Braswell. Like, Woody, he he showed some signs early on and then felt like he kind of went into the doghouse. But I also thought, like, Braswell was giving you quality minutes in big-time games, NCAA tournament games, yeah. I mean, ACC tournament games. To me, that was a big surprise. And I know he... He's going to probably go to Charlotte and be really good, but I feel like he could have made maybe not the, a quote-unquote lateral move, but, I mean, he could have still played power conference and I think been a starter somewhere. Maybe not at the best of power I think power it's the years school. of eligibility left. I think that's a big part of it. Like, Woody is an up-and-coming player with a lot of untapped potential. Braswell is entering his latter stages of his career, mm-hmm. and – it's just a little more sexy if you bring in a guy that's only played one year of college basketball and it's like, okay, we can groom him a little bit more and he's here for a while. So you're right, though. I think Braswell definitely was a better player this past year. He's a better player right now, probably. But Woody is probably a better prospect right. in terms of bringing a guy in. I just figured there's probably a team out there that sees themselves as, okay, we are one defensive piece away from being really good, maybe sure. like top 20, top 15 level good. And Braswell could have been that piece, and especially since we saw him hit some of those threes at the end of the year as well. And I'm surprised that we didn't see a power team go after him 
and and bring him in as like maybe that sixth man or who knows maybe he does end up competing for a starting job listen he's gonna go to charlotte be the quote-unquote the guy but i i could have seen i would have guessed if you told me the two schools that those two guys were gonna go to i would have guessed it would have been braswell at oklahoma state and woody maybe trying to reinvent himself at a, a lower level he does kind of feel like an Oklahoma State player. He does, That part yeah. did strike me as like, yeah, it's a pretty good fit. Now, it's worth noting, I don't even know if Oklahoma State's going to be in the tournament next year. Like, they aren't in That's true. great states as a program. So, they do have recruiting sanctions and violations that have minimized their scholarships. I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but like, Oklahoma State is probably looking to add guys right now. They're not in the best spot they've ever been in, despite coming off a great season and having Cade Cunningham last year. So they're going to be good next year. I just don't know if they have a lot of appeal to the degree of how good they are. Like, if you were deciding between Oklahoma State and Oklahoma or a peer of Oklahoma State right now, it's kind of tough to convince yourself to go to Oklahoma State when that tournament question is still sort of lingering, to my knowledge. Yeah. I just know that and, they appealed it. And that's why Woody, I guess, makes sense because he does have all that eligibility remaining. I mean, he does. He can still yeah. play four years. This is a free year for everyone this past season. So right. because of that, yeah, okay, maybe you don't go to the, the tournament this season. But what happens in two years from now, three years from now, and he still has all of that eligibility. It's not like Woody's going to pop off this next season and go to the NBA. I don't think you and I see that as a part of the future for him right now. But develop, can he develop? Can he become a, a nice piece for Oklahoma State moving forward? Sure. All right, so the other two topics here are really what I'm fired up about. First off, and, and best of luck to to Big Bad Bobby Brass and Woody Newton, and I'm excited for that. I saw. I, I really will be fans. I mean, I, I'm guessing that that James Zuba has already ordered all this Charlotte gear. Yeah, he has to, right? Yeah, he probably got I, I like the get custom Charlotte jersey. jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hook him up. Uh, you, I'll be you, watching yeah. when I can, for sure. So the other two topics, we'll start with lacrosse, and uh, specifically men's lacrosse because the women's lacrosse team has been good this year. Men's lacrosse. I watch all the games. I work most of the games. It's I had high hopes for this season, and for those that didn't see, they laid an egg against UNC, losing, I think it was 21-9. It was like one of their worst losses in really program history, basically. They've lost three straight ACC games. They're one game above 500 with currently two games left on the schedule. They'll probably add another game, but the other two games left on the schedule are ACC road games against Notre Dame and Virginia, who, yeah, they beat Virginia, but they're going to be out for revenge, so... There's a, not a lot to look forward to, and you have to be above 500 to make the NCAA tournament. We're talking about a team that I thought could win the national championship and finally get back to Final Four weekend, and here we are with two games left on their current schedule as it stands, talking about will they make the NCAA tournament. It's just, it's very frustrating. I, I can't put my thumb on why they're doing so poorly. I know, I mean, the defense has self-destructed several games now, Face-offs have been a problem for most of the season. They've had some bad injuries. But, like, it's almost like if you watch the Yankees or someone where they have the pieces and it just doesn't add up. It feels like they're kind of cursed recently. And it's getting to a point where it really does frustrate me. And I don't know. I just did not have much fun watching that game. Well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, the Yankees, the worst team in the AL right now, like, should 
Syracuse fans start throwing lacrosse balls onto the field in the middle of games? Like, is that that what <laughs> needs to happen now to potentially rejuvenate? It, it is embarrassing. Listen, you, you're the lacrosse guy on this show. I, I can only hand out my, my meatball two cents to you here. But when I look at it, I mean, ever since I, I've really started to watch lacrosse, I mean, this team just hasn't been relevant. And, and this is largely a ro- roster-wise very similar to the team that had a lot of success a season ago before the season was shut yeah. down. So it's not making a whole heck of a lot of sense why you're seeing them come out flat in some of these really big games and these big moments in the conference, and you're starting to see the shift where, okay, you were the big bad all that at the top of the ACC for years, or for well, ever since you joined the ACC, for years. And now... You're starting to see yourself dip below the the Dukes, the Carolinas, and it, it's been a, a bit of a fall from graces now. Yeah, a lot of hero ball on offense. I they just better show it in, in the final two games. They got Virginia next. Like they have to come out with urgency. And I'll be watching, obviously, and I'll be rooting. But it's just disappointing what they put out. The other thing here to talk about is football oh and gosh. the lack of. Yeah, like, I don't think we've done this a a proper justice on the show. We've talked a little bit of football, but unfortunately, there's not a lot to talk about when there's not a depth chart. There's not even a roster, and we have no knowledge of if a spring game is coming, which at this point, I'm not even sure we're going to get any of the three things I just mentioned. And it's just disheartening when you watch these other spring games. I was watching right before the Lax game, they had the Florida State spring game on, and I'm like, are we going to have one? Like, there's no knowledge of what's going on in any of these practices, and how do you get your fan base riled up when that's the case? Can I visual meme you right now? I'm going to visual meme you right now. Okay. Right now, we're Squidward, and we're watching SpongeBob and Patrick run outside. (laughs) Yes. this past week, I'm not saying the game had to happen this weekend, but I'm seeing Bama, Georgia, Florida State, all these spring games going on. And there's no plan in place right now for a spring game happening for this Syracuse team. I mean, the ACC Network is is airing a lot of these spring games over the course of, of the next couple of weeks. There's no plan. There's no depth chart. There's no roster. We don't know anything that's going on within the football program right now. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. If you want to be this... Listen, I don't think Syracuse aims to be some national title contender, but... You sure as hell don't aim to be an embarrassment either. And that's what this team has been over the last year. I mean, with the 1 in 10, and I get you went through a lot during a, a pandemic season, but 1 in 10, that's bad. That's bad. And now you don't have any sort of plan. I mean, this was a program that over the offseason, I thought picked up a lot of momentum. You bring that's the in thing. you yeah. bring in Garrett Schrader. That's something to get excited about. You've got a real quarterback competition. You're going to have some offensive line help this upcoming season with Willie Tyler coming over from Texas. Chris Bleich is going to be eligible. There should be steam. There should be momentum around this program right now. And all of the wind has been taken out of the sails because of how they've treated the spring right now. It's embarrassing what's going on. And if you're Dino Babers, like, this could be the make-or-break year. This could. You're losing a lot defensively. Who knows what that fill-in plan is going to look like but this is bad this is embarrassing like I I think back to the spring ball when Andre Sisco he wasn't even a freshman he was an early enrollee guy at the time 
And there was buzz and, and fun and hype around it. You know why? Remember they, he they was used a, to have a Hard Knocks like video yeah, series. Yeah, that's what they you had last that? season or, or two seasons ago or whatever it was. Yeah, right. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Cisco was a guy who was technically still supposed to be a senior in high school. And I see him as a starter on the depth chart. Guess what? I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued yeah. then. That there should be some intrigue, some buzz around this team. And there is absolutely, it's embarrassing. It is flat out embarrassing what is happening right now. I mean, we're getting, three guys are going to get drafted this week from Syracuse. And there's nothing out, like, there's not any momentum about it. We should be capitalizing on that. I know this is something that Brent Axe addressed in a recent column. So we're just kind of echoing that. But John Casillo I mean, as they, well they, from Noon's Magician wrote a fantastic piece. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all... Everyone should be on board here. We, we should rally together here because this is getting tiring. They do a scrimmage yesterday on, on Sunday, I believe it was, and Read they the come out with a short... Read the blurb. I mean, th- this is awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't have it in front of me right now, but here, let me pull Look, it up. I, I got quick. it. I've got it uh, right in front of me I, right I got here. it too now. So... All right, you, do you want to do like a little popcorn read here? A little popcorn read? Sure. All right, you start. I'll, I'll, start. I'll pick up. <laughs> the scrimmage, which was mostly live with plays blown dead if a defensive player was close to a sack, saw Syracuse's offensive units combined for eight touchdowns in 20 offensive series. Popcorn Tim. Seven of which came through the air. Tommy DeVito, three. Garrett Trader, two. Jacoby and Morgan, one. And Justin Lampson, one, tossed the scores. Morgan also rushed for one score. Now, this is the best line, so I'll popcorn it to you. The receiving scores were also spread evenly among seven different recipients. I mean, come on. Give us the receivers at least. Like, I get. I don't care if it was spread evenly or not. I need to see Taj Harris's name in that sentence. I, it's just, like, I don't know. Is Justin Barron playing defense right now? There's been talk about that. Is he playing offense? I just want to see a roster, see what his number is, what some of these guys' height and weight is. Like, Dino's probably thinking this gives out a competitive advantage and this is a big year for him and he's just doing things differently this year maybe after last year and I'm all for building a culture but come on like you're not going to give out that much of a competitive advantage if you just show me like if Sherrod Johnson's playing defense or offense or if you show me a depth chart I just want to see what a depth chart chart looks like I mean how much can can an opponent even take away from that like Right. What, what competitive Everyone are you? Does it. What competitive advantage are you gaining right now? Like, how insecure about your team do you have to be to not have a depth chart out right now? How insecure? Like, that's what that screams to me. Yeah, it, it's it's concerning. Like, I don't know. I just I want to talk about this team. I want to get on here and do a podcast about the depth chart, but we don't even have yeah, a like, core roster. We are excited. We like there is some buzz around Syracuse football. It, it, there yeah. should be at least, and they've I'm done. Optimistic. They've yeah. done everything to poke holes right now in the in the balloon to to just poof. There goes all the excitement. Like we get it. There's going to be a quarterback competition. You don't have to to know a lot about this team to know that right now. Okay, you're not disclosing some competitive advantage that way. So, I mean, you you want to read the last sentence? Pop, oh, popcorn defensively. Tim. Okay, defensively, Caleb Okachukwu and Josh Black each each came away with did a they, pair of did sacks. Did they misspell Okachukwu's last name too? Am I reading that right? I think they did. Is, yeah. Isn't there a it W kind of in threw there? Me off for a sec. I think yeah, there's a W in there. There's no W in it. Oh boy! Right, <laughs> which oh. 
I think there's there's got to be a double. Get new interns. Double check. New interns. It, they also said that plays blown dead if a defensive player was close to a sack. So I don't even like. Can you? Did anyone wasn't, make an interception? That'd be nice. Yeah, to like know. wasn't the that part of the problem is, last year? Is that they would get close to the quarterback but wouldn't bring them down? Like, yeah, wasn't that a problem last year? Wasn't that a problem? I don't know, man. I just remember like. I was talking about this when when I did the little depth chart podcast, but Courtney Jackson had that one great spring, and he rose up the depth chart, and it was like, oh, Courtney Jackson, I'll focus on him, I'll see what he's got. I just, I want to know who's overperforming, and that's all positive stuff I want to know. I'm excited about the team. Just give me more reasons to be excited. It's, it's not like we're asking for a ton here. We're just asking for basically the bare minimum. And listen, it... All of this stuff can be smoke and mirrors. Like, we could see who Caleb Okachukwu go out there and get two sacks. It, it might mean nothing. Like, Okachukwu could have two sacks all season next year, all right? But at least build a little positive bridge, a little bit of momentum. Because what is recruiting at the at the crux? It is buzz and momentum. That That is how you get some of these upper echelon. And if I'm a recruit yep. right now and I see... Florida State, they're televising a spring game. Georgia, televising a spring game. Alabama, televising a spring game. And as we move further and further along, I mean, we're probably going to see Georgia Tech televise a spring game. UNC, televise a spring game. Like, they're not the Clemson, Bama, Florida States of the world. They're that next tier, third tier level team. But if they're televising a spring game, there's not even a plan for the team up in Syracuse right now. If I'm a recruit, what, what does that say to me? What does that say? It shows you don't care as much as some of these other schools. That's yeah. what it shows to me. At least get on a press conference or get Tony White on there to just talk about, yeah, Neil Nunn's been really good, and we're looking at him a lot as maybe being that second quarter. I don't, he doesn't even have to go into that much detail. I just want to know, what have you seen? Tony? Who is like, playing? Talk me through the defense. Who has yeah. pads on and who doesn't right now? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, we've gone long here, but I think that worth was it. definitely worthwhile. We we need to address that. So um, hopefully we get some football news this week, but I'm not really waiting on a uh, beat of breath for that one. I'm sure we'll have some more basketball news as the week goes along. We'll get Anthony DeBundo on at some point, so that's going to be a good conversation. So subscribe to the show now if you haven't already. We appreciate all the loyal listeners out there. Whoever's still listening to this at this point, you're you're probably one of them as we've gone long here on this Monday podcast. But shout out to you, and thanks for all the support from you guys. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse, and we will be back as we are every single weekday. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.